Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Two Point Podcast, where our conversion rate is always 100%. I'm Craig, and I'm joined by Nate. Hey, guys. And we're going to be doing some Week 14 previews for you guys. Uh, We'll be talking through all the remaining 15 games for this week. There are no bye weeks anymore, so that's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Strapping, guys. (laughs) Yep. Extra game for us to do, at least. Yeah, it's cool with me. More football talk, we get better. And we'll get started with the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. This game is in Chicago. The Texans are one-point road favorites. Over-under is 45. Game could go under, could go over either way. Uh, the major injuries in this game are the quarterback, Philip Gaines, for the Texans. Didn't practice yesterday, has a knee and shoulder injury. Farrell Brown, a tight end for the Texans, didn't practice, had a concussion. Brandon Cooks was limited in practice with a foot and neck injury. And then on the Bears' side, we got Khalil Mack, didn't practice, shoulder injury. Buster Screen, didn't practice, concussion. Texans also had two other depth cornerbacks that didn't practice for various injuries. So their quarterback depth is a little shaky right now. Hopefully some of them guys get healthy as the week goes on. The major thing I'm looking for in this game is we got Deshaun Watson versus Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously they were picked in the same draft class. Uh, so that's something to definitely watch out, watch out for there. They've had two very different career trajectories so far. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we're looking at them, and I'm going to be looking at both defenses, seeing if the Texans' defense can step up and if the Bears' defense can bounce back. For me, it's getting Watson to see if he can actually get another NFC North coach fired. I kind of just am getting kind of uh, annoyed with how Nagy is handling this team. Stafford obviously thrashed that Bears defense. They couldn't finish the game last week. Khalil Mack used to be, like, obviously a defensive player of the year. He's only got 39 sacks on the, uh, 39 tackles, excuse me. Uh, two forced fumbles, six sacks, and, and an interception. So he's not, he's not living up to that hype. And obviously, the rest of the defense is obviously kind of accruing to that as well. I want to see Trubisky uh, not be Trubisky, just be a game manager and obviously feed Montgomery, utilize the play action as much as possible. Yep. Pretty much the Bears putting him in position to win. David Montgomery should get some work. The For Texans sure. defense is nothing special, especially against stopping the run. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not the Texans defense is subpar at best. This game's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be pretty close. I think it'll be low scoring. I think it'll come down to Watson, just obviously and how he plays against that defense. Yep. Uh, so who you got winning this game then? I have the Texans winning. I got the Texans winning as well. Uh let's see if this Bears slide continues. If they I think they would this would make them the first team to go from five and one to five and eleven if they keep losing. Yeah, obviously being a Packer fan, I feel for the other NFC North teams. It's just – it's been a rough year for them. Started out swinging, though. No, not really. They kind of got had some really lucky games. But either way, they, you know, win's a win. 5-1 and one is pretty good. <laughs> they go from 5-1 and one to 6-10 and 10 or 5-11. and 11. I don't know how you can keep Matt Nagy around. Mm-mm. Him and Pace both need to go, but yeah, that's a story for a whole other day. So we'll get moved over to the next game. That's the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals. Cowboys are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. Over-under on this game is 42-and-a-half points. Those are probably about right. On the Cowboys' side, we got Cam Irvin. Did not practice. He's got a knee injury. I wouldn't expect him to play. Donovan Wilson, the safety, groin injury, didn't practice. They thought he was going to play this past week, but then he didn't end up playing. So we'll see if they get him back this week. Alex Redman, the guard for the Bengals. He's been a limited participant in practice two days in a row. He's got that concussion. We'll see if he clears protocol this week. Uh, the big news for them in terms of injury is Jonah Williams, their young left tackle, going on IR with a knee injury, so he's going to be done for the year. And on the Cowboys side, I'm looking at Andy Dalton. This is a revenge game for him. I think he should do pretty well in this game, uh, seeing if Zeke can step it up as well. And if that Cowboys defense can show signs of life against a very bad Bengals offense, Looks like Brandon Allen will be back in this game at quarterback for the Bengals. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. Gio Bernard could have a decent game if the Cowboys' run defense doesn't show up. And then you're just looking for a little bit of something from that Bengals' defense as well. But not too much crazy stuff in this game. Honestly, the biggest thing is the Andy Dalton revenge game for me. Honestly, it comes down to the coaching staff for me. I want to see if my uh, if no one's even going to be have a job after this week. Obviously, that Dallas defense has done a – a terrible job. They're averaging almost 400 yards of total offense and being allowed. So 
they just need to do something. Like there was multiple times against the Ravens last week where I even texted you and was like, that was disgusting. Like this is just terrible to watch. And I'm not saying obviously McCarthy is the issue here. I don't know what's going on with that coaching staff there, but the Dallas staff needs to get their, get their stuff together essentially and, and put these players in position to win. I mean, they got a tremendous offense with Andy Dalton, uh, you know, Coop and, and then obviously Zeke as well. Like they have the ability to do what they can do. Dak was actually the best quarterback in the NFL until his injury. And then obviously on the Bengals side, I've been harping on that offensive line at this point, like with those hits this week, it's definitely, it's going to be more difficult for them to be able to step up. But with Brandon Allen back, I feel like that, that offense is kind of starting to get a little comfortable. I felt like they moved the ball a little bit more efficiently than they did in the first week with him being there. But I mean, we need to talk about Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. Like they need to just put their players in a position to help win or even, even just be productive. Like there's offenses in the NFL that, that have these types of weapons that they have at wide receiver and are capable of moving the football. So obviously you got to give credit where credit's due to that, that the players that are missing and being able to be as efficient as they are, but that coaching staff needs to put their players in a, a position to actually be efficient this week. Yep. And hopefully that big man came from Kansas, Akeem Adenaje can step up for Jonah Williams. Uh, it's hard to do when you're a six round rookie, but rock chalk, baby. Yep, it's it's next man up in the NFL. That's the type of mentality. Like, this is your profession now. This is your job. Like, you should be ready to be able to step up in any time that you're, you know, capable of being able to have those opportunities. So I've been harping on that offensive line all year. I just – I want to see what they're capable of. I, I feel like with that young talent that they have going into next season, like, they need to get that offensive line fixed with, with obviously Mixon and Burrow. Like, I feel like they have a lot of weapons. They just need to – Yep, for sure. So who do you have winning this game then? Oh, I regretfully picked the Cowboys for this one. I obviously am not a huge fan of McCarthy. I don't think they have their act together there. And with Nolan calling the, the plays for the defense, it's just they're setting that team up to fail. They're better than what they're producing. And so for me, I regretfully picked the Cowboys. Yep, I'm going to pick the Cowboys as well, too. Andy Dalton played pretty well against the Ravens, so I think he'll be able to do that against his former team as well who definitely does not have anywhere near as good a defense as the Ravens. So good uh, Andy Dalton gets his revenge in this one. I agree. So we'll get moved over to a game that some people might be interested in this week. I think it's going to end up being a blowout, but that's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Chiefs are seven-point road favorites. Over-under in this game is 50-and-a-half. Could go over. Just depends on how much Miami actually puts up on the board. Tyreek Hill did miss practice yesterday with an illness, but he was back uh, in practice in full today, so that's not a major issue. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire returned to practice in full. He had that illness last week, obviously didn't play in the game last week, even though he was active. Then we have Salvin Ahmed, did not practice both days this week with a shoulder injury. DeAndre Washington, he's got that hamstring injury. He's a limited participant in practice both days this week. And then we got Eric Flowers, the left guard for the Dolphins, Ankle injury hasn't practiced yet this week. Kyle Van Noy's missed both days of practice with his hip injury once again. I believe he did play last week, so I'm not too concerned about him. And then we got Damian Wilson, the linebacker for the Chiefs, didn't practice both days this week with any injury as well. Uh, on the Chiefs side, I think they're going to keep rolling in this one, see how they handled Miami's defense, but should be a good game for them. I want to see how they rotate their running backs. Uh, Clyde Hilaire will be back. They got Le'Veon Bell. They used Daryl Williams some on third downs as well. Should be pretty good for them. I want to see how their defense looks against, you know, this Miami's offense that's not very good overall. I think they, they're going to be able to get pressure on Tua pretty early and often. And for the Dolphins side, I pretty much have written down how's Tua going to look versus a real team. <laughs> and then if their defense can stand up, get pressure on Mahomes and try to stop the Chiefs, which I don't think they can, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's it's funny that you say that because I actually kind of agree with you on that sense. Like to me, I feel like <clears throat> that defense is the only reason that they're eight and four. The defense put them in a situation for them to, to you know, obviously be competitive in those games, and they've snuck out some really close ones because they don't really have an identity on the other side of the ball. Unfortunately, they really don't have a consistent running game. They are obviously switching back and forth between uh, quarterbacks. I don't think Tua, and I, I think you agree with that. I don't think Tua is the answer moving forward, but I feel like they might actually try to be stubborn about it and consistent because that's what the fan base wants. So I think they, in this game, I just want to see if the Dolphins, you know, can lose a game that they're supposed to lose. I, I don't think that this defense is going to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes and that high-flying offense. And like you said, 
it's Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes. He's going to do what he can do. I expect him to bounce back this week from a semi poor showing last week, I guess you could say put up maybe 435 uh, yards of total offense, which is actually their average uh, maintaining that consistent level of, of just dominant play. I, I'm also interested to see who's going to get the, the bulk of the load. I thought that it was rather interesting that they leaned on Le'Veon Bell earlier in the game. Obviously, Williams got those third down uh, runs, which was really good for him. But with Edwards uh, Hiller coming back, it, it could be interesting to see how they divvy up the ball moving forward. But I, I, I think the Chiefs are going to steamroll on this one. Uh, and I assume that you agree with that as well. Yep. Well, that's what I said in the beginning. I don't think this mm-hmm. game is going to be even close. So I'm rolling with the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like this could be a potential for the Chiefs to win by like two to three scores. Yep. Yeah. We'll get moved over to the next game, though, and that's the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. Cardinals are two-point road favorites in this one. Over-under is 45 points. That could go a little bit under if you look at the Seattle game from last week. Kind of similar situation. You got Daniel Jones, limited participant practice both days so far this week. He's got that hamstring injury. Still kind of up in the air whether or not he's going to be able to play. Blake Martinez, that back injury, didn't practice on Wednesday. Limited participant practice on Thursday. I would assume he plays. He's a warrior. Then Devondre Campbell, linebacker for the Cardinals. Ankle injury, has to practice both days this week. He's kind of up in the air. If he doesn't play, that's a big hit to their defense. Jalen Thompson, still dealing with that injury. Ankle injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. And then for the Cardinals side, I'm looking at Kyler Murray, see if he can kind of bounce back. Give this offense some real juice, honestly. That's what they need. Uh, and then pretty much their defense, see if they can get pressure on Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, whoever the quarterback ends up being, if they're able to stop Wayne Gallman and that running attack as well. Uh, for the Giants inside, we got the quarterback situation. We'll obviously see who it's going to be, whether it's Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones, if he's healthy. Uh, I think Wayne Gallman's going to have a pretty good game once again. Obviously, he looked great against the Seahawks. And then that Giants defense, they've been really good of late, so – I think they'll be able to get some pressure on Kyler Murray and make things difficult for him, honestly. Yeah, to be honest with you, I kind of agree with your assessment. As you know, I've been kind of high on this uh, Giants defense pretty much all season. I Earlier in the year, I felt like they weren't uh, living up to the potential that they could do. It's good to see them kind of playing to what they can do. In their last five games, they held Seattle to 12 points, uh, Cincinnati to 17, Eagles 17, Washington to 20, Tampa Bay 23. Like some of these teams, you know, they're, do- they're, they're allowing their offense to be competitive. To be honest with you, the Giants, their success lies on that side of the ball. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, you're going to see anything surprising out of Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, whoever's going to end up running that offense. The Giants seem like they are always start to get pretty competitive when they get to the 5-7 to seven loss region, and every year it seems like they're on a playoff run at that point. So I feel like they're going to feed Gallman, and whatever quarterback they have, they're just going to run the play action and, and run the offense that they kind of can run with either one of these quarterbacks. For the Cardinals side, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, um, obviously he's got a similar play to like Russell Wilson and that that Giants defense did a really good job of bottling him up. So I don't see him doing as much as well this week as like he did last week, but he's going to need to if he's going to keep them competitive. Um, This offense obviously runs through Kyler Murray. So um, in order for them to see success, he's got to be definitely better than he was last week. And I'm just looking for the Cardinals defense to kind of step up a little bit. They're allowing 377 point yards, a total offense. They haven't been able to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They only have 29 sacks on the year and and they've only gotten you know 10 picks so I kind of want to see that Cardinals defense maybe step up a little bit and maybe get, get some pressure on Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones whoever ends up starting at that position yes sir who you got winning this one then I'm actually picking picking the Giants I just think that they held Russell Wilson in check last week and with Kyler being the exact same style of offense I, I, I see that just being a repeat of last week I agree. I'll pick the Giants. And I think part of what's interesting, too, is, you know, Kyler Murray hasn't been running since he got that shoulder banged up. So if he's limited or hesitant to run, you're looking at pretty much the same thing they did to Russell Wilson. A hundred percent. I agree with you. That's why I said I don't think it really matters who ends up starting at quarterback because that defense has a, a really good matchup. I mean, they they had a pretty much a practice run last week and it, and it showed up to be really successful for them. Yep. We'll get moved over to the next game, and that's the Minnesota Vikings against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are six-and-a-half-point home favorites. Over-under on this game is 51-and-a-half. This game definitely could go over that, honestly, if it turns into a shootout. Eric Kendricks, the linebacker for the Vikings. He's got a calf injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. That's a big hit to their defense if he doesn't play, like we already talked about in the recap from last week. Then we got Kyle Rudolph, foot injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. Irv Smith, Jr., 
Apparently, he's got a back injury now. Didn't practice on Wednesday. Limited participant in practice this week. Last week, I believe, it was a groin injury, so we'll just kind of have to keep out for him. If Rudolph can't play and he plays, then obviously Irv Smith's somebody to consider, uh, whether you're playing like fantasy or something like that. Uh, Jamel Dean for the Vikings. Cornerback, groin injury, has not practiced yet this week. And then we got Mike Evans, the wide receiver, limited on Wednesday, but did not practice on Thursday with his hamstring injury. And on the Vikings side, I want to see if Kirk Cousins can keep rolling because he's been playing pretty well lately. Mm-hmm. I think this will be a good game for Justin Jefferson. He has that deep threat. And the weakness in Tampa Bay's defense is getting beat over the top. So it could be a good day for him. I want to see if Dalvin Cook is able to do anything in this game. Tampa Bay obviously has a great run defense. And Cook's been a little bit slower lately. Uh, Obviously, he's a little bit banged up as well. And then you want to see if the Vikings defense can at least limit Tampa Bay's offense. On Tampa Bay's side, you want to see how Brady is coming Mm -hmm. off that bye week. I think they'll commit a little bit more to their run in this game. So... I think they'll feed Ronald Jones a little bit more. And then Tampa Bay's defense, can they kind of bounce back after some rough outings lately? Yeah, I, I think this game is exactly what she's just pretty much said it's going to be. Like, to me, um, it comes down to, obviously, Tom Brady and uh, and Kirk Cousins. If you look at the matchups of the defense, it's pretty intriguing. I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to be too efficient. There's no way he's going to get 32 carries like he did last week. Um, I feel like they're going to need to lean on Kirk Cousins, which obviously undeniably means Thielen or Jefferson are going to get most of the hits. And like you said, this Bucks defense is very susceptible to being beat over top. So the only way that I see this offense being efficient is if if Jefferson sees anywhere between 10 to 15 uh, potential targets this week. But then obviously that Bucks defense is going to need to step up in the secondary. They're obviously very good against the run. And uh, with Dalvin Cook obviously pretty much sharing honors right now with uh, Derrick Henry on efficiency in the NFL for running back, um, they're only allowing 74.2 yards per game. And you know, 3.3 yards per attempt. So to be honest with you, I don't think that this game is going to be beat in the trenches this week. I feel like it's just going to either be a shootout and it's going to potentially come against, you know, one of the greats going against uh, you know, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> what are you trying to call Kirk Cousins? <laughs> uh, I think Kirk, you and I kind of have a, uh, kind of agree on his abilities. He is what he is. He's a game manager. Uh, he's got games that he can just come out and start swinging if he needs to. He's got that that sassy Midwest type of mentality. So when he needs to step up and he gets a small chip on his shoulder, he can definitely produce. I'm not saying he's, you know, a bad quarterback by any means, but Tom Brady's arguably in the top five NFL in the history to ever play the position. So you have to respect the man for obviously the hardware, but he's obviously Kirk Cousins is no Tom Brady right now. He's the modern day Joe Flacco. Yeah, pretty much like he's he's the one that's going to be the consistent player for you moving forward it's just you're going to need to have he's not he's not the person that's going to be the reason you get places if that makes sense delvin cook is that has that potential i think jefferson uh obviously in his rookie season i think he's definitely showing some signs of potential in the future Thielen's going to be Thielen, but like you said, the hits that they have on that defensive side of the ball, I just don't think it's going to be able to support the play regardless of what Kirk Cousins or, or uh, Cook's going to be able to do. So I don't know. I think Tom Brady is obviously going to pick apart that defense, and I just think that the Bucks, if they're going to win this game, they're going to need to line on that defense a little bit to, to stop Kirk from doing what he can do. Sounds like you're picking Tampa then. Yeah, yeah I am. But this is – I'm going to be honest with you. This is like one of the nine games that I think are pretty like close matchups this week. So I, I am picking the Bucks. How about you? I'm going to pick the Vikings. I think they can beat Tampa's defense. And I think if Mike Evans doesn't play, then I think they'll be able to limit the Buccaneers' offense enough. <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> Minnesota's defense has been playing better of late, and they've been getting some turnovers too. So uh, if they're able to get Eric Kendricks back, that will definitely be a big boost. But, I mean, it's a big loss, but Todd Davis is still a capable backup. Or like he's still a capable starter as he was a starter last year. So it's yep. not the end all be all. And I think Tampa Bay is going to try to come out and run the ball more mm-hmm. get starting off. And if they can stop that running game, I think they'll be able to get a little bit of momentum early on. Yeah, I, I, I really do think this game's going to be within a score. I don't like I genuinely see it going back and forth pretty well. I think this is a really good matchup, especially late in the year. Both of these teams obviously need uh, need this win for the playoff push, so I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Yes, so we'll get moved over to the next one, and that is the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are three point home favorites. Over under is forty five and a half. That's probably about right in this game. On the Panthers side, we got Dennis Daly, guard. 
didn't practice both times this week, and he's got a concussion. CMC is dealing with a thigh issue. Limited on Wednesday. Didn't practice on Thursday, so we'll see if he ends up playing. Uh, if he doesn't go, then you're obviously looking at Mike Davis. And then we got Rasul Douglas. He has not practiced twice this week for the Panthers. He's their best corner. There really hasn't been a reason why. So that's kind of interesting. We'll keep an eye out on that one. Uh, they are also dealing with some COVID issues as well. I believe DJ Moore tested positive. Uh, so it doesn't look like he'll be playing this week. Curtis Samuel is a close contact to him. So he'll need uh, some negative tests a couple days in a row to be able to play. If not, you're going to be looking at Robbie Anderson leading the way with uh, Brandon Zalstra and Farrell Cooper filling in. And then on defense, Shaq Thompson's also in COVID protocol, I believe. So we'll see if he's back in time for the game as well. Then on the Broncos side, we got Graham Glass now. Foot injury, hasn't practiced so far this week. And then a big thing for the Broncos is their cornerback depth. A.J. Bouye got caught with PEDs, essentially. Uh, he suspended six games. And then Isang Basig, one of their rookie corners, he went on IR this week. So they're going to be without two of their top four cornerbacks. Uh, we'll see if uh, that makes a big difference in this game or not. But honestly, a lot of this game is going to come down to quarterback play. You got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I consider them both average to below average quarterbacks at this point in their careers. Honestly, it's a big deal if CMC plays or not, or if Christian McCaffrey plays or not. But... He's got that AC uh, joint sprain, though, that it was acknowledged, I believe, yesterday, if that was correct. I think the biggest thing is the thigh injury now, though, because that's kind of new that popped up as well. Yeah, I don't see him going in this game, but I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. I've been really harsh on Drew Luck this, uh, let's, oh, let's see, the entire season, essentially. So for me, that's the only thing I want to pay attention to in this game. I want to see if they continue to feed uh, Lindsay and uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, help support with the uh, play action a little bit. I just want to see Drew Luck, you know, do Drew Luck things. This offense was – kind of built moving forward with him and those young wide receivers and obviously Noah Fant as a tight end. So I want to see this offense be productive, and I just want to see if Drew Locke can kind of, you know, not be as bad as he's been uh, this season. He's had a few highlighted games where he actually did, you know, rather well. But, like, last week he only had 151 yards of total offense. He had two, uh, you know, red zone offensive touchdowns, and then obviously the two interceptions to, to correlate with that. So, honestly, I'm just looking for him to step up. Yep. I think this could be a good game for Melvin Gordon and Tim Patrick as well. Not too much to say there, really, but give my boy Tim Patrick some love. Most underrated receiver in the league. I agree. 100%. He's he's uh, definitely doesn't get the credit where he needs it, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, there's actually a running joke going around in the fantasy football community that says uh, if Tim Patrick had a cooler name, he'd be owned in more leagues. <laughs> Not wrong, actually. That's kind of funny. Yes. Because he's only owned in like 20% of leagues, but he's had double-digit points seven out of like the last nine weeks, and one of those games was the Kendall Hinton game. So Wow. Yeah, that's deviating a little bit too much off topic, but we'll get back to it. Uh, so who you got winning this game then? I, I'm picking the Broncos because I can't sit there and, you know, call out Drew Locke and then not back the guys. So I'm going to pick the Broncos to win this very close game. Yeah, I got the Broncos winning as well. Too many – injuries and COVID issues for the Panthers in this one. I don't think – I really haven't been impressed by, impressed by Teddy Bridgewater at all this year. So I think the Broncos could have their way with him a little bit too. Yeah, and with COVID going around too, like if you look at all the COVID games that have existed, all of them were ugly except for the Steelers-Ravens game that was played on that like Thursday that was like almost a week late or something or that Wednesday if I remember correctly. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't see the Panthers doing much in this game unfortunately or being – all right, so we'll get into the next one, and that is the Tennessee Titans and Jacksonville Jaguars. The Titans are seven-and-a-half-point road favorites right now. <laughs> Over-under is 52-and-a-half in this game. This one definitely probably could hit that. On the Titans side, we got Breon Boyer as a corner. Didn't practice on Wednesday with a hip injury. Dennis Kelly, a tackle, or their right tackle, didn't practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. Johnny Smith was limited in practice. Uh, with his knee injury, so good to see him practicing a little bit this week. Uh, we'll have to see if he ends up playing. Sidney Jones, the corner for Jacksonville, he is still dealing with that Achilles, so we'll see if he ends up playing. LaVisca Chenal, the rookie wide receiver, he's got a thumb injury, limited in practice as well. Brandon Leonard, the center for Jacksonville, did not practice with an ankle injury as well. 
So in this game, I think Tannehill is going to do pretty well. Should be a good bounce back game for Derrick Henry after he was limited last week. Can Tennessee's defense actually show up because they've been god awful lately? On Jacksonville's side, Mike Glennon, this should be a pretty good game for him, honestly, because Tennessee's defense can't stop the pass to save their life. They can't rush the passer to save their life, so it could be a good one for him. DJ Chark, is he going to show up because he's been pretty much ghosted us all year besides, like, two games? And then, obviously, they're going to feed James Robinson more like they've been doing. Yeah, I agree. Jacksonville side, there's nothing else pretty much out of the normal for them. Uh, obviously, feed Robinson. Uh, Glennon, I think this is – I agree with you. I think it's a good matchup. But all I have uh, for this for this uh, Jacksonville team right now is just kind of looking at their offense to see uh, who they might draft in the – you know, next, next year going into the draft, uh, moving forward at quarterback, whether, you know, it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, you know, how each of these quarterbacks would look in this offense. So I feel like this is the slide of the season – seeing how this offense can correlate and to see what opportunities they have moving forward into the future. On the Titans side, just do what they did in the second half against Cleveland. Just don't come out so slow. Um, obviously, Jacksonville is not, uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns. But I, I feel like this is a good bounce-back game as well for Derrick Henry. So I, I think that I see the Titans uh, steamroll in this game. I don't see it being close. Uh, who do you have winning? I have the Titans winning, but I actually think this game ends up being close. I would not be surprised if Jacksonville wins this game. The only way I could say that happens is if, if Glennon comes out and just, you know, does what he can do. But the defense, I agree with you. I think it does come down to Tennessee's defense. And they're hit or miss. Like, I just think they're going to show up in this game. I wouldn't even call the Titans' defense hit or miss. They've been pretty awful all year. Yeah. Especially against the pass. Which will be really interesting because if you remember correctly, in the past we talked about like Green Bay's final slate for the games. This was the game I was looking forward to the most because of Derrick Henry being able to do what he can do. But Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. destroying that Titans defense. But they, then you got to look at that same conversation as Glennon, the type of capable quarterback that can you know functionally pick apart a defense that's terrible against the pass. Yep. Uh, so we'll get moving to our next game. That's the Indianapolis Colts, Las Vegas Raiders. The Colts are actually three-point road favorites in this one. Over-under is 51 and a half. That's probably about right. For injuries, we got on the Colts side, Anthony Costanzo, left tackle. Didn't practice on Wednesday, but was a limited participant practice on Thursday. He's got a knee injury. Be nice if they get him back. Uh, his backup, LaRaven Clark, actually got carted. Uh, he's on IR now. The safety, Kari Willis, did not practice on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, back in quad injury for him. Bobby Okariki, linebacker, was limited in practice both days this week. He's got the ankle injury he's been dealing with. Then on the Raiders side, we got Jonathan Abram, uh, limited in practice both days this week. He's got the ankle injury. We'll see if he's a go or not. Uh, Also important to keep in mind, too, is Jeff Heath, the other safety. He has a concussion, hasn't practiced yet this week, so he's got a clear protocol. Might be a little bit doubtful for him to do that at this time of the week, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, if they're missing him and Abram, then they're down two safeties. Josh Jacobs didn't practice on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. Ankle injury, we'll see if he ends up going or not in this one. But when I'm watching this game, I've seen if Philip Rivers can be efficient, uh, see if Jonathan Taylor can kind of take over this backfield. It's a very good matchup for both them as this Raiders defense is pretty awful. And then whether it's going to be T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman Jr. this week. And on the Raiders' side, I want to see if Derek Carr can keep doing what he was doing last week and less of what he was doing against the Falcons. <laughs> the running back situation, are we going to be looking at De- or Devontae Booker? Are we going to be looking at Josh Jacobs or somewhat of both? And if they can be efficient against this Colts offense that's done pretty well in the past against the run. And then whether or not the Raiders' defense can actually step up and play better because they haven't been doing that recently. Yeah. Honestly, that's a pretty good assessment of the game, to be honest with you. For me, that Raiders defense needs to step up if they're going to obviously be competitive in this game. They've only had 10 interceptions, 15 sacks on the season. Um, Phillip Rivers uh, does a little bit more poorly when he's under pressure. So if they could get some pressure uh, on Rivers, I think it might be a little interesting. Um, They're only allowing 385.1 yards of total offense a game, so that's obviously something to note. I expect them to run the ball regardless if Jacobs ends up being full or he's uh, obviously being on a snap count. Obviously, those running backs are both very good running backs at the position, so if they need to lean on Carr like they did last week for the win, obviously they'll be be successful regardless. 
Uh, for me, obviously, it does come down to Philip Rivers. If if he's that game manager that he's been, averaging the 285 to 300 yards a game passing, you know, targeting anywhere between 8 and 12 uh, different receivers in a game, um, it'll definitely be intriguing. For me, uh, a side note, which I think is very good, is uh, Raiders tight end last week had a really good game. I think he had his career high. Uh, I think it was like 200 yards of receiving or something like that. Um, and the Colts are actually really poor against covering the tight end, so I, he might actually have another good game this week. For me, though, I just I want the Colts defense to kind of step up and do what they can do pretty much what they've been doing all, all year. Yep, so you got one in this one then? I uh, feel bad doing this because I feel like I'm disrespecting Carr's abilities, but I'm actually going to take the Colts in this. And you're taking the Colts, so I'm going to take the Raiders. The Raiders at home are a completely different team than the Raiders on the road. For whatever reason, they play awesome at home, so – I think that trend continues this week, and I'm rolling with them. I Honestly, it's a, it's a toss-up game for me, and I actually have it kind of pre-selected as one of my potential games of the week. So, honestly, going the Raiders' side, I completely agree. And like I said, I felt like I was disrespecting uh, Derek Carr's ability at home picking the Colts on the road. <laughs> yep. uh, we'll get moved over to the next game, though. and that's So, this game might not be quite as interesting as the New York Jets and the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks are 13.5-point home favorites. Over-under is 47 in this one. 13.5-point uh, home favorites is a little bit aggressive. The Jets' offense has looked a little bit alive, at least lately. Uh, Over-under is probably about right. On the Jets' side, we got Ashton Davis, the rookie safety out of Cal. He is dealing with a foot injury, hasn't practiced this week. Uh, the reports I read is he's probably going to end up on IR. Uh, Greg Van Routen, a guard for the Jets, Toe injury hasn't practiced this week either. There is a report saying he might go on IR as well. Then we got Frank Gore. He's got that concussion. He was limited on Wednesday, but did not practice on Thursday. We'll have to see if he clears protocol and if he's good to go. Obviously, we wish the best for Frank Gore. You know, it's not easy being a 37-year-old running back. Yep. And then Carlos Dunlap still dealing with a little bit of that foot injury. Did not practice this week. I believe he still ended up playing last week. Didn't do much, though. Uh, Brandon Shell, the tackle, it was limited in practice this week. I believe it was an ankle injury he was dealing with. Important to note for the Jets is Denzel Mims will not be playing in this game, the rookie wide receiver out of Baylor. He's got some personal issues back home with his family that he's dealing with, uh, so we wish him the best. But on the Jets' side, we're looking at Sam Darnold. He's going to continue auditioning. We'll see how he plays against Seattle. Seattle does have a pretty porous pass defense. But if they can get after him, it could be a rough day for him as well. Uh, we'll see how Ty Johnson does if Frank Gore can't go. Uh, he had a very good game last week. And Seattle gave up a whole bunch of yards to Wayne Gallman, and they gave up two touchdowns to Alfred Morris last week. So it could be a good game for him. We'll see what this Jets defense looks like now that Greg Williams has been fired. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who's going to be calling the plays and we want Russell Wilson to bounce back in this game. He's had a couple of rough games so far this year, obviously. I think the running game will be pretty good for Seattle in this one as well, and then Seattle's defense versus Darnold, like I already talked about. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Russell Wilson getting back to his MVP uh, play style that he had started out at the season. Obviously, he's that run game, like you just said, is starting to get more healthier. I want to see them support him. Obviously, CFDK Metcalf can obviously live up to the hype that his fan base likes him for. Um, Tyler Lockett, I expect him to still be the primary receiver in that offense. But for me on the Jets side, I'm pretty much done with them this year. They've had four games slip away. Obviously, Greg Williams out, so that defense will maybe be a little better. I think it's, like you said, Sam Darnold auditioning for his job this year. But to be honest with you, I think the highlight of that Jets offense is the, the ability of, of the running back by committee there. Uh, they did really well for the last couple of weeks. I, I see them try to support Sam Darnold to obviously push forward at that position. So... Honestly, I agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a close game. I think the Seahawks bounce back in this game from their poor performance last week. I think they'll win probably by 10 points, but I don't think enough to cover the spread, honestly. But uh, so Frank Bush, who's been a longtime assistant in the NFL, is going to be the guy calling the defense now okay. as well. Just a side note there. Yeah, I don't know. Seahawks don't ever win dominantly, if that makes sense. Like, they occasionally have a game where they win by multiple possessions. So I agree with you. I think they, they tend to play down to the team that they are. So we'll see. I think the Seahawks are going to win, but it might be a close game. We'll see how it plays out. Yes, sir. And we'll get moved over to the next game. This one's uh, – our resident Packer fans going to be happy about this one. Woo it's the Green Bay Packers-Detroit Lions. This game is in Detroit, but – 
The Packers are seven and a half point road favorites. Over under in this game is 55. I believe it's the highest over under of the week. Obviously, it makes sense because this game's going to turn into a shootout real quick. For the injuries on the Packers side, we got Quinius St. Brown. He's got a concussion. Did not practice on Wednesday, limited today. Then Sternberger has a concussion as well, the tight end. And he hasn't practiced either day. Uh, obviously, we just talked about Corey Lindsley. He is on IR now. So, But their offensive line has been pretty good without him. So it's a big loss, but it's not a major loss since Jenkins is a very capable center as well. Then on the Lions side, we got Kenny Galladay. Hasn't practiced yet this week due to that hip injury. And Jeffrey Okuda has not practiced either due to his groin injury. So I would not expect either of them to play once again. Honestly, on the Packers side, you just pretty much you got the usual stuff with the Packers. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Aaron Jones that had a big game against the Lions the last time too. And then their defense. Can they step up? Can they stop the run? Can they stop Matthew Stafford as well? Then on the Lions side, we got Matthew Stafford. We want to see if he can repeat his success from last week. We want to see if they're going to let him air the ball out like they did last week. Obviously, we were looking at the running back situation as well. Is Swift going to be back this week? Uh, Carrion's kind of limited. He's got knee injury as well. Could just be the Adrian Peterson show once again. And then can their defense kind of step up? I know they played a little bit better towards the end of that Bears game, but they've not played good for a full game. And against the Packers, that's going to be a hard ask. Yep. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I just love the NFC, like, division games, regardless of who's playing. They're always just – they're always close. They're always very interesting to watch. They're definitely entertaining. Um, obviously, specifically Packers and Lions. They've obviously have a tremendous history of games being close, and obviously the Hail Mary that uh, Rodgers did several years back. So, I agree with you that I, I see this game being a shootout. Uh, Matthew Stafford, obviously, even Aaron Rodgers respects his gameplay. So, I see these two shining in this game. But unfortunately, I just think Rodgers has more weapons. I, it's just how it's going to go. And if the Lions are going to be successful against that. That Green Bay defense, they're going to have to lean on their run game, whoever's ready to rock. I do hope uh, for the sake of the Lions that Swift is obviously back in that lineup. I I actually think very highly of his play and and obviously the ceiling that he can obviously play to in uh, the following seasons to come. Adrian Peterson knows how to play against Green Bay, and uh, obviously Green Bay is not the best against the run. So I have the Packers winning this one. That's not a biased pick. I just genuinely think that they're just better against uh, the matchup this week. Yeah. And I hate to do it, but I got I got to pick the Packers too. I think this is going to be a close game. I think, I think honestly, I would not be surprised if the Lions win this game. But you know, this is a little bit. It's a little bit of a revenge game for the interim head coach Daryl Bevel too. He used to be on the Packers staff once upon a time. Yeah, these NFC North games are always close. Like uh, like I've said in previous weeks, like when Green Bay played against the Bears, like in their entire history. I think there's maybe a handful of games in the last 20 years that has been, you know, decided by less than a possession. And that with Green Bay and the Lions, it's obviously not quite that way. And it usually is a shootout. Green Bay is really good in the second quarter about just make making those extra possessions matter going into the second half. I agree with you. I think it's going to be an interesting game for sure. Lions are definitely capable of uh, winning a, this division game. Uh, all division games are like that. But I, I don't know. Again, unbiasedly, I'm picking the backers just logically. It is also a revenge game for your uh, right tackle, Ricky Wagner, too. So he was on the lines last year. Let's go. But that's, he, actually, he actually played really good last week, you know, stepping in. He was the guy that had to come in for the offensive line, come on off the bench and start. But yep, he played well. I mean, honestly, they signed him and they thought he was going to be able to be a starter. Just hasn't worked out that way this year, obviously, for lots of reasons. But yep. he played well. And I would not be surprised if the Packers win late in this game because of a questionable penalty once again. You watch your mouth. <laughs> Happened twice versus the Lions, so okay. Yeah. Those are, again, that's historically. Like, you look at division games. We've got, we're already at 200 uh, uh, series games for the Bears and the Packers. So this NFC North goes rich in history. Statistically, it's inevitably to happen. Those are obviously pulling two games out, but there's been plenty of games where it went the opposite direction in yep. history as well. So those are the recent ones. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> those are the recent ones, but uh, we'll get moved over to the next game. So the next game is the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints are actually six and a half point road favorites in this game. Over under is 44 points. That's probably about right, I'd say, honestly. 
There's not too many injuries in this game, honestly. Saints didn't really have anything noteworthy. And the Eagles pretty much is TJ Edwards, linebacker, hamstring injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. And then Jason Peters, the tackle guard, whatever you want to call him at this point in his career, he's been notably as a left tackle, but he's been playing more guard lately. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, did not practice today. He has a toe injury. Uh, honestly, this game is going to come down to quarterback play. And we got two relatively unexperienced quarterbacks in this game. That's Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts. If I had to go out on a whim and say, I think Jalen Hurts is the better quarterback. Both these teams are very similar, honestly, though. Obviously, the Saints have Michael Thomas, and that's a little bit of a difference. But, I mean, you got Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, two pretty good running backs. You got two very unexperienced quarterbacks, and you got two pretty good defenses. So uh, it's honestly going to come down to quarterback play and defensive play, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, from the Saints, you're going to see what you're going to see. I think, um, obviously, Sean Payton has done a really good job of having a package for uh, Taysom Hill to do better. Um, obviously, he had that rocky start starting. Uh, that second game against Denver, he did – minus that quarterback play, he didn't even perform that well. He needs to clean up his uh, – obviously, his turnover game play as well, and he does have an excellent cast. He's going to target Mike Thomas a lot. Alvin Kamara, I see him being the primary running back in this game, just like they've been doing uh, essentially the last two weeks. Eagles, last week, their defense didn't do that great against Aaron Jones, and obviously, I think Jones and Kamara are in that same conversation of running back play. So Taysom Hill, honestly, he just needs to protect the ball, and this offense will probably do pretty efficient. For the Eagles, obviously, with the quarterback change with Hurts, I obviously hope he does really well. Uh, but for me, it's now it's it's it comes down to that offense and that coaching staff if to see if Wentz was just the scapegoat or if Wentz was actually the problem with the efficiency and the issues that they have on that side of the ball. So I would definitely be interesting to see uh, how this offense is going to be changing with Hurts at quarterback moving forward, but. I'm really kind of excited to see what Wentz has for his future. I don't see it being in Philadelphia, but. So you're picking the Saints? I'm picking the Saints just because, like, I feel like Wentz has been taking a lot of slack. I obviously, he's got his issues, but I don't, I feel like there's some offensive line issue. Uh, Miles Sanders is an amazing running back. I think that comes down to Doug Peterson, obviously, not setting his team up to succeed. I just think that Wentz has been more of a scapegoat than the actual issue with this. This is a team sport. It does come down to, obviously, being the efficiency with the quarterback play, but Putting in a rookie, he is obviously the better option at this point just because of chemistry and inability. But either, you know, Hertz is going to try and light up a, uh, a defense that's only allowed on average 17 points a game, and then obviously they're going to succeed, or, you know, the Saints are going to run with this one. Who do you have? I got the Eagles winning. My boy Jalen Hertz is going to come in and shock the world. I just – this Saints defense, they mean business. They're really good this year. And I agree with you. I think that Hertz is the better option at this point. I just – I feel bad for Wentz because I feel like he's more of a scapegoat this year. But I, it's a good choice. I just I, – I don't know how he's going to do against that uh, Saints defense, bud. Yeah, I understand. And, like, just him being that mobile quarterback and getting out of the pocket, I think that's something the Saints really haven't had to deal with this year. So I think it's going to be a big deal. I agree with you. It could be a, it's definitely going to be an interesting game this week. And I think this might be the game that Taysom Hill lose them, loses them the game. Yeah, he's, you know, he's gotten them fumbles. He's been a little careless at times. Yep. So I think he's going to get one or two mistakes that's going to cost them. Yep, and he's actually been decent in the run game minus those fumble issues. So I, I agree with you. He's going to need to clean up his play. I, and he has been getting lucky. Last week he had, what, three fumbles? Only one of them was actually lost, so – Yep, for sure. Uh, let's get moving over to the next one. That's the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Falcons are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Over-under in this game is 49 points. Injuries that we're looking at so far in this game is Julio Jones didn't practice yesterday with his hamstring injury. Probably just a rest day more than anything. Chris Harris Jr., still dealing with that foot injury, didn't practice yesterday. Obviously, he played last week's game, and he looked pretty good. Probably more of a resting type of thing than anything. Uh, Denzel Perryman got that back injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. And then in this game, we're looking at Atlanta's side. Can Matt Ryan be good Matt Ryan? Because there's been a lot of games this year that he has not been good Matt Ryan. See if they can protect him. Honestly, it should be a game they can protect him. All, especially, you just double-team Joey Bosa, and then the Chargers can't get after you anyways. I want to see how the Atlanta running backs look in this game. Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, Ito Smith. 
they've been hit or miss, honestly. But this Chargers run defense is awful. And that was put on full display last week against the Patriots. Uh, Atlanta's defense, they've played better since Raheem Morris took over as head coach. So I just want to see that level of play for them again. And then the Chargers, it really comes back down to Justin Herbert. Can he bounce back after that terrible game last week? Are they going to be able to run the ball a little bit? Atlanta's been actually very good against the running game in recent weeks. Uh, Austin Eckler, he's going to play a role in this game, obviously. And then that Chargers defense, can they step up at all? Completely agree. Honestly, I think this is going to be a really close game, but I think it's going to be a shootout. It's essentially the savvy vet versus, you know, the young gunslinger. Herbert looked like a rookie last week. Like, he looked really bad. But again, like you said, that defense didn't really put them in a position where they needed to win. And um, obviously, when, you, when you're down by so much, you're, you're forced to kind of make, make plays. And the defense knows what you're going to do. And Bill Belichick's a genius with that setup. So, But anyway, I don't see the running backs doing really well in this game either. I just – I really 100% want to see Matt Ryan and, and Justin Herbert go at it. I mean, Matt Ryan has more weapons. He's got Ridley Jones, you know, Russell Gage. Um, but Herbert obviously has Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. And, and it's pretty decent run game to help support it on both sides. So – the Chargers defense is only allowing 348.4 yards per game. So I can see Matt Ryan, if he shows up this week, he could probably have a heyday. But for me, I'm actually going to pick the Chargers on the upset on a close win and have a bounce back from the, their terrible showing last week. What about you? Don't you forget Mike Williams, boy. <laughs> oh, sorry, bud. <laughs> the fact, like I said, the Falcons defense is playing better. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on the Chargers defense, especially if Dirk Cutter will actually commit to running the ball. That's a whole other story, but yep. uh, if they can do that, I think Atlanta's going to win this game pretty easily. You pick the Falcons? Yeah. Like I told you, I don't know. I can't explain it. I've, I've always went against my gut feelings on certain games, but there's something about the Chargers in this game that I that I like. So I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think it's the upset of the week because, like you said, I, I think I agree with you. The Falcons, this is a game for them that they need to – it's in their hands to lose. Yep. So we'll get moved over to the next game, though. And that one is the Washington football team and the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are three-point kind of home favorites. And they're playing in Arizona still. Over-under in this game is 43. Uh, And let's see the injuries we got for this game. Debo Samuel didn't practice on Wednesday with his foot injury. I assume he plays this week, though. DJ Jones, defensive tackle, didn't practice. He's got an ankle injury. We'll see if he ends up playing. Emmanuel Mosby, one of the corners, he's got a hamstring injury, didn't practice on Wednesday. Then Antonio Gibson for Washington. He has, at first they called it a broken toe, now it's a turf toe, so who knows, but it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Uh, Morgan Moses, the tackle, did not practice, groin injury. And Brandon Scherf, the guard, obviously pro pro bowler, all pro guard, calf injury, he didn't practice either. So they could be missing two offensive linemen in this game. Could be a big deal there, especially with Antonio Gibson out as well. Then on Washington side, this is a revenge game for Alex Smith. Uh, if you guys don't remember, they traded him away because they wanted to go with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, that was a little while ago, but I think he still probably got that on his mind. Then we're looking at the running backs for Washington as well. Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick, can they kind of snuff it out against the 49ers? 49ers are pretty good against the run, though. And then this Washington's defense, can they step up and play like they did last week against Pittsburgh? Then on the 49ers side, we also got Jordan Reed. This is a revenge game for him as well. Uh, He played with Washington for quite some time. Nick Mullins, can he step up and lead his team to victory? And can their defense bounce back after getting throttled by the Bills, honestly? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I kind of feel bad for the 49ers. They did get throttled by Buffalo. But if you look at their last five games, they lost to Buffalo. They won a very close game against the Rams. They lost to New Orleans, lost to Green Bay, lost to Seattle. All those teams are playoff teams. So I kind of feel bad for this um, this 49ers team. But I agree with you. This is a chance for Nick Mullins to kind of step up with Gibson not being there. I feel like with the Washington football team, just not having Gibson in that lineup, kind of makes them understandable. I don't I don't see a lot of depth, uh, a lot of production at the running back for them this week um, because, like you said, that 49ers defense is playing a lot better. But Nick Mullins has been actually a pretty surprisingly consistent quarterback, and he's always got pretty decent play. Uh, last week, if you take away his two interceptions, he still threw for 316 and three touchdowns. So, I mean, he's actually been a pretty solid at replacing uh, Garoppolo in that position. So I feel like he's starting to come into his own. 
this is going to be a really close game. I obviously really like Washington's defense. I think they're completely capable of limiting the 49ers' uh, inconsistent play on that side of the ball. But it's going to come down to Alex Smith. And if he can run the play action and kind of, uh, you know, get a little revenge on those 49ers, like you said. I see uh, McLaren getting a lot of targets. But this Washington football team, their offense is just kind of the minimum requirements to be successful. Um, is how I feel like they're built right now. I feel like in the next few years, Rivera was going to obviously fill those positions and, and put more position uh, eliteness, I guess you can say, in the, around that quarterback play, whoever ends up uh, obviously filling that slot after Alex Smith is done with it. Yep. So who you got one in then? I, I, like I said, I think this is a close game, but I think this is a game where the 49ers can kind of pull it out. Washington's been rather consistent against good play, but they've obviously played down to opponents that aren't uh, obviously up to their standard. They're both five and seven. They both are, have their issues right now, but I think this is a completely capable game with the 49ers defense uh, kind of being a lot better in the last few weeks. So I think they squeaked this game out. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to pick the 49ers too. And it's mainly based on Gibson being gone and these two offensive linemen potentially being out for Washington. That's what it comes down to for me. I disagree with what you said about Nick Mullins a little bit. Obviously, he had a lot of garbage time yards and touchdowns against mm-hmm. the Bills last week. He's a backup quarterback, and he's not a good backup quarterback either, though. Yep. He makes a lot of questionable throws. He doesn't put the ball in the right spot a lot of the time, so it's kind of hard to trust him. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. I think if you break down every single game individually, obviously he he is a backup and I, he plays like a backup. But what I, I guess what I was referring to is he's he's got above 3,500 yards on passing for the year. I mean, he's averaging exactly what NFL quarterbacks at this position does. By any means, he's not elite. He is a backup. I think in the future, whoever is at this position, if it, they, they do stick with Garoppolo, which I see them doing, he's going to go back to being a backup. But I got I kind of got to lean on him because I kind of been kind of badgering him the last few weeks, and he's been putting up some putting up some yards at least, even if it is garbage time or not. Yeah. Uh, we'll get over to the next one though, and this is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. Bills are two and a half point home favorites, so this is a pretty even game. Uh, the over under is forty six and a half points. Uh, the Bills are relatively healthy, so we're not going to talk too much about their injuries. On the Pittsburgh side, we got Spillane, the linebacker. He's been playing in place of Devin Bush, who's been out uh, on IR. Spillane has his own knee injury now. He didn't practice, probably not going to play this week. So Avery Williamson will be taking over in his place. Then we got Joe Hayden, concussion. He's the obviously the best corner for the Steelers. Hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, he'll obviously have to clear protocol. That could be a very big deal, especially against Stephon Diggs. And then Chase Claypool today has an illness and didn't practice, so we'll just kind of have to keep an eye out on that one. Uh, we want to see a Big Ben kind of rip apart this Buffalo defense, which I think he can do because Buffalo's defense has been pretty mediocre lately, honestly. Yep. Uh, they get James Conner back, so that should be a big boost to their running game because it's really struggled lately. Can the wide receivers actually catch the ball? And then, all, then once again, all them injuries on defense for the Steelers. Uh, Buffalo, can Josh Allen pick the Steelers' defense apart? They are a vulnerable Steelers' defense this week, so could be a good matchup for him. Who are they going to go with at running back this week? It's been pretty split throughout the year. Devin Singletary got most of the work last game after Zach Moss fumbled. And then I think this could be a good game for Cole Beasley, honestly. And he's done pretty well with John Brown out. And then can that Bills' defense really step up? They got, like, all their pieces back now. They're all finally healthy, so they have no excuses. Yeah, they're going to definitely need to uh, get after Big Ben if they're going to try and make this a close game. This is actually going to be uh, a very good game this week. Both of these teams are very good. Bills are 9-3. and three. Steelers are obviously 11-1 and one now. Um, but I agree with you. Cole Beasley has been, been good as of late, and I actually have him as a receiver to pay attention into this game because Pittsburgh's defense is obviously Pittsburgh's defense. You're only allowing 17.6 points per games this season. Um, obviously, Diggs is getting the majority of those receptions, so I anticipate them kind of doubling down on him. So I can see Cole Beasley just kind of getting those squeaker points between 5 to 10 yards, you know. Singletary and Moss are going to obviously going to have to fill this offense and, and, and keep them going with draws and screens. But, yeah, Josh Allen, he's going to need to be productive as well. Big Ben uh, and that offense against this Bills defense, I see him kind of picking him apart. I think uh, personally I have the Steelers for this game. I just feel like this is a good game against a capable team kind of in the, the stretch going into the playoffs for them to kind of get warmed up against. This is a tough one. 
Well, for me, it comes down to Big Ben's play a little bit because he's got the quickest release right now in the NFL. He's been taking like one-step drops and releasing less than two seconds after snap. So I just don't see the Bills' defense being being capable of slowing down that offense if the wide receivers can catch the darn ball. I agree. I, I really do think the Steelers can run away with it. Mm, I'm going to just pick the Bills, and it's just because of all those injuries on defense for Pittsburgh. There's a week where they're the most vulnerable. It's probably this week, and this game is in Buffalo. So I'll go with the Bills. It's a good choice. I like the Bills team, to be honest with you. So it's a good choice. This is a hard one for me, but. We'll move over to the next game. That's the Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns. This game is in Cleveland. We got an even line right now. Over-under <laughs> is 45 and a half points. Uh, what we're looking for injury-wise in this game is Denzel Ward still not practicing. I don't even know when to expect him back, honestly, because he's been missing for so long now, it seems like. Uh, Jimmy Smith, the corner for the Ravens, didn't practice, still dealing with his groin injury. Carter L. Hodge, the third wide receiver for the Browns, did not practice. He's still got the hamstring injury. I think they might just hold him out another week. Honestly, Higgins and Peoples-Jones really stepped out and stepped up in his absence anyways. Wyatt Teller, the guard, is in COVID protocol, so we'll see if he ends up playing or not. Obviously, if he doesn't play, that's one of their best offensive linemen that they are losing. And honestly, this game's pretty simple for me. Which Lamar Jackson do we get? Do we get good Lamar or bad Lamar? Is he going to be able to throw the ball if he needs to? Uh, the running back situation for Baltimore, I think at this point you just played, you just got to play Dobbins and Edwards. Forget Mark Ingram at this point because he's not doing anything. Uh, can they get pressure on Baker Mayfield? Because if you can get pressure on Baker Mayfield, that's a big deal in this game. Uh, Baker's obviously not as good under pressure. Uh, Mark Andrews is going to be back off the COVID list in this one, so that should be a little bit of a boost for this Ravens offense. And then on Cleveland side, we got Baker Mayfield. See if he can move the ball efficiently in this game. Obviously, those running backs are always a big deal. And then Cleveland's defense, are they going to be able to stop Lamar and company? Yeah, for me, both of these teams are really bad in the second half. You saw Cleveland uh, last week obviously only score three points after putting up 31. And the Ravens, they've let a lot of games slip away this year. So uh, for me, it comes down to second half play. So if you're looking at the Cleveland side, like we just said, uh, Baker Mayfield, step up. I need them to stop. Get, uh, I need them to stop. Like trying to coast in the second half. Uh, just keep the gas pedal down. That's the NFL. Yeah, I'm sorry if you lo- you lose by 47. Maybe you should be better next time. Uh, obviously, Hunt and Chubb, they're both going to obviously get their their touches. I see if Cleveland can do exactly what they did against Tennessee last week. I can see Cleveland kind of pulling away with this one. However, just like you just said, if Lamar shows up, you can make this a really close game. They're both obviously. Both capable teams are both going to get ready for that playoff push. But I do have a, a funny statistic for you. Who do you think's better, uh, the Cleveland Browns offense or the Steelers offense? In terms of what? Just in production in total. The Browns because they can because they've actually thrown the ball. Well, it just in total, the Steelers offense is only three hundred and fifty-two per game, and the Cleveland Browns is three hundred and seventy-one. Uh, the, the major difference, though, is obviously rushing. Obviously, Cleveland's got the, the more elite rushing. Connor hasn't really stepped up them this year. But, I mean, it just shows what, what Cleveland has been capable Hold of doing. On. Honestly, when it comes to the Browns and how their production has been this year, they're actually very similar to the Steelers' offense. This comparison is a necessary means because the Steelers are obviously in first place in, in the AFC uh, going into the playoffs at 11-1, but their production is actually less than, than that of Cleveland's. And so that just shows how good the Cleveland's offense actually really is. The difference is obviously that defensive play with the Steelers. I'm hoping that the Browns will start getting into their own. They do really well against the uh, the run for the most part. They either get thrashed or they actually step up. But throughout the, the entire season, they've done actually rather efficient against it. So I think that Cleveland is kind of – kind of getting ready for that playoff push. And uh, for me, I have the Browns winning this one just because I think the Ravens are just one of those capable teams that they can obviously test themselves against this week. Yeah, and I think, honestly, for the longest time, the Browns couldn't beat anybody that was good. Well, they beat the Titans last week. But I just don't think they can beat the Ravens. I think the Ravens have a better defense. I think it's they're not going to be able to throw the ball on the Ravens. They're going to get one-dimensional, and I think that's how the Ravens end up winning. Uh, honestly, whoever gets behind in this game and is behind at halftime is probably going to lose this game because both these teams suck at coming back. 
Yep. Just like I said, they got, they both have got to learn to finish a game. And I agree with you. Ravens, their defense is in, is, is actually really, really good. So I think, like, this is a good week for Cleveland Browns and that fan base to kind of see what they're actually capable of this year. Because, like I said, their offense is exactly like the Steelers, and the Steelers are obviously ready for the playoffs. Cleveland's needs to, to prove this week that they're the dominant team, and that's actually the reason why I'm picking them. I, I think the Ravens are the better team, but I, I want Cleveland to win just because this is a week they need to prove it. Last week was was kind of just fish bait to them, to be honest with you. Yep. So what you got for your game of the week, then? There's so many close games this week for me, but – I'm going to pick that upset win that I picked with the Chargers and Falcons. I think I think it's a good way for Herbert to come back, and I honestly, who doesn't like a good old-fashioned shootout? Yeah, I'm going to go what I think is going to be the opposite way. I'm going to pick the Saints and the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is going to come out. I think he's going to win on the game. I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game, though. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of good games in the NFL this week, but I find it funny that the games that we pick are the teams uh, – like the Eagles are obviously kind of in a playoff hunt right now. My game doesn't matter. And then obviously Saints are just trying to stay healthy to get Drew Brees back for the playoffs. Yeah, and on that note, Drew Brees could potentially be back in week 15 is what they're saying right now. Correct. So obviously you got to give credit where credit's due. I know it hasn't been the, the, the prettiest of wins, but, I mean, good job to Taysom Hill for at least filling that role and helping them still maintain their winning ways down there. Good job, Taysom Hill, for beating the teams you were supposed to beat. Correct. Hey, a win's a win, and that's all that matters. If you don't believe me, look at the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. But once again, it should be a pretty interesting week. Well, thank you all for joining us once again. This was the preview for the Week 14 games, and this is the Two Point Podcast with Nate and Craig. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed, and we'll catch you next time. Stay safe, guys. We appreciate you.